forever. The, uh, I think that music service today was special because it points us all to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Good stuff. Before we start, Jerry Schmidt, pray for us, please, buddy. We'll be in Philippians if you'd like to turn there. We're going to, uh, they call this expository preaching. <laughs> it's what this is going to be called today. And, and they keep telling me that's how you're supposed to be preaching, but I don't listen very well. Expository preaching is you take a verse and go verse by verse by verse by verse. So that's what we're going to do today. The title of the message is The Humility of Jesus. The Humility of Jesus. Ephesians 2, and we'll be there, we'll start in verse 3 through 11 here in just, in, in just a second. In these passages today, we're going to look at um, an example of humility. We're going to look at the, the, the person who was the most humble person ever to walk the face of the earth. And the reason I want us to look at this is because the Bible tells us that we are to follow that example, that we are to be that kind of a person. We are to have the, the same kind of mindset of Christ. We are to have the same characteristics of Christ. And we're going to look at His humility or the, the humbleness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, in the book of Philippians, uh, the writer is writing to this church. And, and, and Paul, the apostle who wrote this, uh, he had heard uh, through the grapevine, I guess, that that church was having some issues of disunity, that uh, they were struggling to get along. And it was because of, of pride. It was because of self-confidence. It was because of self-reliance that they were struggling on how to be, get along, to have a, a nice fellowship, if you would, and to come to worship. And he's writing this letter talking about the unity of Christ. They had, they had forgotten the humility of Christ and, and that humility was not flowing through them, but their own selfishness is, is what was causing the problem. I have heard of a, a, a church just uh, 30 or 40 miles from here that are experiencing these kind of, of issues where it, within this church there is a, a group that believes this and there is a group that believes this. And uh, as I was talking to one of the fill-in pastors that has gone to preach there, you can just feel the difference of people's attitudes. He said, you know, they can't even have a business meeting <laughs> without an argument and a fight. And, and, and why is that? Because you see, pride has taken over in their church. Self-consciousness and self-awareness has taken over. Instead of the humility of Christ flowing through them, it is now a very selfish kind of a being. And, and, and not that we're doing that here. I'm just saying that is a possibility. You know, a lot of times human beings don't really just grasp this idea of humility either, do they? I mean, I mean, sometimes, especially men, 
especially men, the idea of being humble and the idea of humility just doesn't, just doesn't want to jive with them. Because people will say, if you're humble, it's kind of a sign of weakness, is it not? Kind of a sign of weakness. And, and you know, as men, I mean, we got to walk around uh, pretty self-confident, pretty self-reliant, pretty much like we are, we are cool dudes, if you would. And, and, and this humbleness just doesn't seem to fit. But you know the problem with that attitude is that attitude makes it impossible for salvation to come to that prideful person. Because you see in Matthew 18, 3 and 4, it says, if you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, you must come as a little children to him. You must have this attitude of being a little child, humble and wanting to know exactly what is going on. People do not like to be humbled. But you see, we must come to Him with a humble attitude, do we not? Because you see, if we're ever going to be saved, the first thing we got to do, we got to admit that we're a sinner. That we are a sinner. Who wants to do that? Who wants to admit that I've done something wrong? Nobody wants to do that. But before the coming to Christ, you've got to admit you're a sinner. You've got to admit that there is no way that you can save yourself. That there is absolutely no way that you can ever be good enough to ever get to heaven. That's, that's a true story, is it not? And as we, as we begin to look at this and we go, you know, you mean I've got to make somebody Lord and Savior over my life? Are you kidding me? No, I'm in control of my life. I sit on the throne of my life, do I not? And because of that attitude of that pride and that arrogance, I mean, people don't want to come to Christ because <laughs> I'm not giving that up. And yet we find out that Lucifer himself was kicked out of heaven because of what? Pride. Because of pride. There's people in this, hopefully not in this congregation, but people that we know will be, will be left out of heaven because of pride. And arrogance and self-awareness, if you would. So today we're going to look at the most humble man in the history of humbleness, if you would. We're going to look at Jesus and what, how Jesus humbled himself. And the Bible will tell us we are to follow his lead in terms of being humble. If you look at verses uh, 3 and 4 there of uh, Philippians 2. Uh, let's, well, let's look at it. In uh, verse 3 and 4, it says this, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but also the interests of others. Wow, there's, there's some fun there in it. Do nothing out of selfishness. Okay. Uh, don't worry so much about your own interest. Put, your, put others more important than you. And if you just look at those three statements, that is, I'm here to tell you, a definition of humility. That it's, and I hate to say this, it's not all about you, <laughs> your life. It is understanding that people are important, more important than you. That, that we do nothing because of selfishness. 
And that we are willing to carry the burdens of others, if you would, because we have been called by Christ to do those kinds of things. So he has called us to have that kind of an attitude. And how do I know he's called us to have that kind of an attitude? Well, you just look at verse 5 and it tells you. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. Have this attitude in yourself. What kind of an attitude? An attitude of humility. Jesus is the supreme example of humility, is he not? You see, we've got to remember, Jesus is God. And Jesus lift, left the glory of heaven to come to walk on this old sin-sick world. I mean, just think of that fact alone, how humbling that might have been. You see, he left eternity and perfection. He left majesty. He left power and dominion. He left eternal worship and praise and glory. To step out of heaven to be born in a manger surrounded by cattle because there was no room for him anywhere else. The Bible says he lived his life and he had no place to lay his head. That's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You see, the Bible says he lived a life that was rejected and despised and mocked and he was murdered. He was beaten, he was flogged, he got a crown of thorns on his head, he had nails in his hands and his feet. The Bible says he became sin who knew no sin and the Bible says his father turned his back away from him. As he's hung on a cross. I'm here to tell you there is no greater example than humility. He left, you need to understand this, he left glory to step into this world to bring salvation to his people. There is no greater example of humility. Yeah, Jesus was unselfish, was he not? He didn't have to go do that. Yeah, Jesus thought others were more important than him. Yeah, he did. Jesus cared, put the cares and the burdens of others before him. And in verse 5 says what? We are to have that same attitude in us that Christ Jesus has in him. See, if we had that kind of attitude, churches would never be split churches would never be divided if we just allowed the humility of Christ to flow through us on a daily basis. Let's look at verse 6, if you would, please. Verse 6. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. You see, Jesus was not like God. Jesus was God. You need to understand that. He did not achieve a high level of righteousness. He was the perfect righteousness. He didn't just live a better life than you and I. He lived a perfect life because he's God in the flesh. He did not become God when he walked on this earth. You see, he was God from eternity past. You see, John 1, 1 says this, and the word, the word, let's see, 
in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The Word is Jesus. See, he's, he's been eternal God forever and forever. He was eternal God before Genesis 1-1. He just didn't acquire this Godship when he stepped on this earth. He's been that boy forever and forever. You see, you understand Jesus is the very essence and nature of God himself. The very nature and essence of God. Because you see, Jesus is divine. He is unchanging. He is holy. And he is all loving. You see, he, he, that's who he is. And the Bible says he didn't have to grasp that. He didn't have to obtain that. He didn't have to learn how to be God when he walked on this earth. He didn't have to do any of that because, you see, he was already divine and, un- divine and, 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 and holy and unchanging and all-loving. He is the very essence of God. In John 10, 30, he says, I and the Father are one. You see, he didn't have to try to learn how to be God. He didn't have to obtain that. He didn't have to grow around trying to get it. Because when he stepped on this earth, he was already God. He was already eternal God. He is already God in the flesh. I'm so thankful that he was like that. Verse 7, moving right along, it says, He emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. Wow. And being made in the likeness of men. I like that word to empty himself. The word empty himself means to be completely emptied. Completely emptied. Take a picture of water and, and fill it up and you, you pour it out. And, and when you get the last drop out of there, the, the picture is empty, isn't it? That's a picture of what Jesus did when he came onto, the, onto this old earth. He completely emptied himself of what? Of deity? Did he empty himself of deity as he was being poured out when he came to this earth? No. No. You see, he, he always has been God. He always is God, and he will forever be God. He didn't pour out his deity, so what did he, what did he pour out? He said he, 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 the experience of being majestic, of power, the experience of, of, of being glorified, the experience of being worshipped. He left that in heaven to come to this sin-sick world. He left the experience of being in heaven in perfection. He left the experience of, of being sovereign God of the universe in order to step down into this old world that we live in today. You see, he poured himself out and he refused to have those experiences now, at least for a short time, of receiving glory and honor and majesty and all that kind of stuff. He no longer received that when he was here on this earth. And he poured himself out so that we could be his children. I like the way Matthew Henry, a great theologian and commentator, says. He says he emptied himself of the honors and the glories of heaven and of his forever appearance to clothe himself with the rags of human nature. He left his home and glory of perfection to come down here 
there is no greater act of humility that's ever been seen on the face of the earth. Right before his crucifixion, and we know what he's talking about here, in John 17, 5, he says this. He says, Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Father, restore the glory that we had together at one point because he had left it all. He emptied himself as he left his home and glory. He left the throne that he sat on. He left the glory and the majesty and the praise in order to come and walk on this earth. I don't know about you, but that's a sure big thank you, Father, for allowing your son to do that just for us. Verse 8. He says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. He humbled himself to the point of death on the cross. You see, Jesus was obedient to his father, was he not? In the garden of Gethsemane, what does Jesus say? Not my will, Father, but yours be done. Jesus was asking the Father, is there a plan B? Can we do it? Can we do this without me doing, having to go do that? But your will, Father, is what I want. He was obedient to the death on the cross. See, he humbled himself and he allowed mankind to crucify him. He, he humbled himself by taking upon, by becoming sin who knew no sin. He humbled himself by receiving the wrath of God that God has on sin. He took that. He humbled himself. He humbled himself as he hangs on the cross. And the father turns his back on his son. And Jesus cries out what? Father, why have you forsaken me? I believe that was the most painful thing that he ever experienced because he now, he now understood what the separation was of the Father. To be separated from his holy God. And now he feels that and the pain of that. And yet he humbly accepted the pain and the forsaking. Why would he do that? So that he would, he, we could be with him forever. No other greater example of humility than that. First Peter 3.18 says this about that. He says, For Christ also died for sins once and for all. Okay, there's our one, our one. The just and the unjust, yes. And here it is. So that he might bring us to God. So that he might bring us to God. Why would he humble himself that much to leave perfection to come here and live in this, in this forsaken land, sin, so that he could bring us to the Father, so that he would provide a way for us to be able to get to the Father? Thank you. Again, it's not big enough, Jesus, for doing what you did. And then those last verses, real quick. 
that we all know and love. Verses 9, 10, and 11. It says, for this reason, in verse 9, God also exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. For those in heaven and for those on the earth and those under the earth. And every tongue will confess that he is, he is Lord. Some great verses. Verse 9, he exalted, God exalted Jesus the name above every other name. That was a song that we sang. Jesus, the name above every name. We exalt him, but the world does not exalt him, does it? The world uses him as, as a profanity. The world mocks the name of Jesus. They despise the name of Jesus. They make fun of Jesus. And yet for some of us, it is the sweetest name that there is out there. The sweetest name of Jesus for many of us is the name we hold on to daily. Because you see, the name of Jesus offers you and I forgiveness of sins. The name of Jesus offers us cleansing from all of our unrighteousness. The name of Jesus brings us righteousness that we can never get on ourselves. The name of Jesus brings us into the very presence of holy God. The name of Jesus allows us one day to spend eternity with him forever and forever and forever. And without the name of Jesus, none of that would ever happen. Acts 4.12 says it this way, a great verse. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven which has been given unto men by which... You must be saved. You know, the world can mock and make fun of his name. But for us as believers, it is the most holy and precious name that we can ever speak. Because that name will last us for an eternity. Unbelievable why anybody would mock the name of Jesus. And then that great promise one day of the next verses. And every knee will bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Two parts of that verse. Number one, I hope you're doing that daily. I hope, Christian, that you are bowing the knee daily and thanking him for what he did on that cross. You see, we can never get over that, Christians. That is super important for us as believers to bow the knee, to submit our life to Him, to take up our cross and follow Him, to, you are my Lord and you are my Savior. He can't just be Savior. He got to be both. And I pray one day, today, next day, the next day, that you will bow the knee. Bow the knee in praise. Bow the knee in glory and honor for who He is and what He's done for you. Thank you, Father, for your son, what he did. Second part of that verse is every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Those who are in heaven, those who are in the earth, and those who are under the earth. One day there's coming a day when every person on the face of the earth will bow the knee and confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Every knee will do it. If you don't do it here on this earth, you're going to do it one day 
at the great judgment. Not the great judgment seat of Christ. But the great awakening when he comes, the great white throne judgment. You'll do it then. You see, I thought about that. Caiaphas, the, the great high priest, when, when they were looking to crucify Jesus, who, who just denied him. Pontius Pilate, who finally gave the order, go for it. Hitler. <laughs> Saddam Hussein. Jeffrey Epstein. Some of the great names of sin. Your neighbor. Your spouse. Your family member. Whoever you know, whoever you don't know. Great or small. Every man, woman, and child. Every president, every leader, every dictator. Every color, every language, every nation. One day will bow the knee. And he will exalt the Lord God. The Lamb, the Savior, the Lord, who died for you and me. You see, you see, Jesus humbled himself to the point of a shameful death. I mean, the Bible says he endured the cross and despised the shame and now sits at the right hand of the Father. Okay? Because he ex- humbled himself in this whole world, because he left glory and came down here to yuck. Bible says, I will exalt his name and make his name great. And everyone will bow down to him one of these days. Why do I want you to understand the humility of Jesus? Because we're supposed to have that same attitude that he has. We are to have that same heart that he has. You see, James 4, 6 says it this way. But he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You want grace? Humble yourself before the Lord. James 4.10. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Will he exalt you here on this earth? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. But who needs to be exalted here in this 70, 80, 90 years? Who needs to be exalted here? I would rather be exalted up there. He will exalt you if you humble yourself because that's what he did for his son. Proverbs 29, 23, and I'll be done. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit, he will obtain honor. But a humble spirit. I would urge you today to make sure you have that same attitude that Christ had that comes flowing through you. That it really isn't all about you. That it isn't uh, that you're just better than anybody else. I mean, the Bible says we're all sinners anyway. Do we take time to see see the needs of others and to try to help those? I hope we do. I hope today you'll bow your knee. You've already bowed your knee. If you haven't, today would be a good day to do that. Did you know that? To accept him as Lord and as Savior.
Thank you, Father, for sending your Son who humbly left glory so that we might have an opportunity to spend eternity with him. Why did he come? To save his people from their sins. Matthew one twenty one. that's why he came. I'm not sure I'd do that. If I was sitting, sitting pretty in heaven, sitting on the throne with all perfection, I'm not sure I'd want to come down here, would you? But what did he do? He goes, yeah, I'll do that, Father. Why? Because I love them so much. I want to spend forever with them. He wants to spend eternity with us. Do you get it? And because he did that and because he loved us so much, he said, I'll go down there. It's a mess. I'll go down there. So I can provide a way for all of these people to come to spend eternity with me. Thank you, Jesus, for your humbleness. And I pray we will take that attitude that Christ had and insert it into our lives. Let's pray. Are you one that can bow the knee and confess that he is Lord? Man, if you can, I, I, that, I'm so happy for that. I would urge you to do that constantly. But if you can't do that, if you can't bow the knee, if you can't confess that he is Lord, I would urge you today to come, out, come down here and let's find out how you can do that. Because you're either going to do it now or you're going to do it later. It'll be so much better now. Because <laughs> now you can have a life. Now you can have a life that God wants to give you. Christian friend, I would just urge you to thank him for what he's done. Praise his name. As the piano plays, you do business with God. Bow your knee if you can. Confess that he is Lord and he is Savior.